world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Dobbenmeyer. Hey, good morning. I'm just reading right now. Isaiah chapter 58 says, Cry loud, spare not, and lift your voice like a trumpet. I think maybe I'm going to run down that road here this morning. I want to, again, thank all of you for getting up here. You know, it continues to amaze me, really. Uh, really, really continues to amaze me. That uh, the impact that a small group of people really could have if we set our hearts to, to it towards it. Really do. We look at what goes on all across America with the, the mega churches and can I can I just the ineffectiveness of the mega churches and think of the mega church pastors that you that you, you can name. I mean, I mean we all know who they are. And how they, how they can how we all of us how we can live in a midst of of uh, decadence. Dec- by the way, root word of decadence is decay. Decay how we can live in the midst of a, an absolute decad- decaying of a culture and society and our churches be so um, um, oblivious to it, like it isn't even going on. And so it comes back to my mind, it comes back to the fact that there's really only one, one reason for it. And it has to be, it has to be doctrine. It has to be theology. The idea that those of us who are the salt of the earth and the light of the world why are we being taught and told not to be salt, not to be light? And for the most part, if you think about it, I was, I was part of what they called a, a, a mega church. I got my salvation at a mega church. Lord, just uh, let the words of our lips and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I got my salvation at a mega church. Uh, Pastor Rod Parsley, World Harvest Church, Columbus, Ohio, and, in 19, 1988, January 28th, 1988. And, uh, you know, I immediately adopted uh, the theology of the church. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, remember, I was, I was raised Catholic. And as far as I know, somebody help me out there. Does, does the Catholic church have anything even remotely resembling the idea of end time eschatology? I, I don't know in my whole life in the Catholic church, if I ever heard anybody, any priest, anyone, anywhere talk about in time eschatology, the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Christ, a rapture. Never heard any, I never ever heard any of that anywhere, ever, ever. And then when I got uh, radically born again, which happened to me, as I told you the day that it happened to me, all of a sudden I find myself at, at this mega church and it was, it was fun to go there. It was fun to go. They had great music and pastor would preach really, really good messages and Boy, oh boy, I'd, I'd go home. I'd be so filled, filled up. I'd be burping all the way home. <clears throat> boy, that was good. <clears throat> boy, that was good. But really, for the most part, no, no demand ever, 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 ever made on my faith other than tithe. Make sure I tithe. But no real opportunity to, I mean, even back then, they didn't talk about small groups, although I don't even know the effectiveness of small groups. I don't even know what that is because for the most part, small groups are under the thumb of the pastor. Hey, Chad, I was going to say, can I get an amen? But Chad told me that that sounds like, uh, I'm not being critical. Chad told me that sounds like I'm looking for affirmation. I'm not. It's just the way I think. Can I get an amen? Remember I said yesterday when I said, can I get an amen? It means you get it. <laughs> not that I'm mm-hmm. right, but that you get it. Whenever I say, can I get an amen? That means, yeah, I get it, coach. I get it. That means, coach, oh, you're the smartest guy ever, okay? So I just want, <laughs> want to clar- clarify that again. And and I think about when I when I uh, went through the our battle with the American Civil Liberties Union in in 1997 for my right to pray with a football team. Uh, I, again, I was a je- I was a jellyfish, right? I was a jellyfish Christian. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, 
prosperity. That was the message. It was that was the message that was coming. Yeah, that it was a war, but it, you know, I, I was, you know, I'd be raptured out. I, I believed all that stuff. I believed all that stuff. And then I got sued by the American Civil Liberties Union, and all of a sudden, we didn't have cell phones back then. But all of a sudden, my my phone quit ringing. My phone my phone didn't work anymore. When the American Civil Liberties Union came after me, my phone didn't work anymore. I didn't hear from pastors. I didn't hear from friends. I didn't hear from Christians. Now, that's not true. I got thousands, literally thousands of letters from people out there saying, we're praying for you, Coach. Uh, Thank you for standing up. We're praying for you. I'm looking at my camera. I feel like I got to get clear down here. Maybe my camera needs raised a little bit. Is that what's happened here? I don't even know if I can do it. But, you know, through that, through that whole thing, that whole mess, and that whole ten, when I when I started past the salt ministries, I I thought, you know what, we're the salt of the earth. What what is what are the elements of salt? What what does salt do? If we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, what really would that look like? And I floundered around, and I'll, I'll never forget forget Pastor Les Bowling. I don't mind calling out names. I was under the uh, Pastor Les Bowling at. Eagle Rock Church, and here I was, this on fire Christian who had just gotten sued by the American Civil Liberties Union, and I'm I want to go tear down kingdoms. And we were in a men's Bible study one night, and I, I was reading. Uh, he was reading about this. some of us talking about the characteristics of Jesus, and I thought that was really you know that was good for a while. But I said, "Hey, um, Pastor, I just got a question." I said, uh, uh, "I was reading in the Scripture uh, earlier today." where it says, of all of those born unto a woman, none was greater than John the Baptist. Pastor, why don't we talk more about John the Baptist? I was, I was just as innocent as could be, just as innocent as I could. I'd just been through this tremendous fight with the ACLU. And I said, why do, if John the Baptist, if Jesus told us, it's in Matthew, I think, of all those, somebody find that for me, of all those born unto a woman, none was greater than John the Baptist. I said, God, I'd like to know, I'd like to know a little bit more. Well, you know what happened, right? Somebody look that up for me. You know what happened to me, right? I ended up in the principal's office. Yeah, I ended up in the principal's office. Because why? Oh, gee, you, you, don't, you don't put the pastor on a spot like that. And I was told, uh, you don't need to lead a men's ministry. You need to be part of one. Well, I wasn't asking to lead one. I was in one, and I asked a question, and now I'm getting spanked. Luke 7. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What the heck does that mean? What does that mean? Because you know what happened to John the Baptist, right? Huh? Oh, yeah. He packed up his bags and he went and visited the king. And what did he do to the king? He walked into the king's palace or however he got to him. I don't know. And said, hey, dude, <laughs> you are your wife's a whore. Your wife's a slut, man. What are, what are you doing? You mean to tell me, king, that you up there, all righteous and holy, you go out and get some slut, some other man's wife to live with? And by the way, they threw him in jail and they chopped off his head. And what did, what did Jesus say about him? <laughs> that, that, there's your boy right there. We won't even talk about it. We won't even talk about that. We want sugar of the earth and twilight of the, of, uh, of the world. And we're in the mess that we're in. I, I, this burdens me every day that I get up. When I look at some of these mega churches, could TD fakes, could he make a difference with his big church? Could Joel Osteen, you mean to tell me with all of <clears throat> But see, then I get hit in the face. Well, coach, you're fighting against God. Because if you just read in the scripture, it says it's just going to get worse, coach. It's going to wax worse and worse and worse. And coach, we're just fighting against God. And I'm, I'm telling you, to the very depth of my beings, I don't, I don't get it. I was, I was born with a competitive nature. And every time I see the devil get a victory, I get mad. Does anybody else out there other than me? Something deep in sea. See, I, did, I didn't lose my competitive nature when I got saved. It got sanctified. It got, got, I started fighting for the right stuff. I never stopped fighting. I started fighting for the right stuff when I got saved. 
Jesus didn't change who I was. He changed my, he didn't change my nature. He changed my focus. Amen. And I didn't, I, and I look around, I see what's going on. And I, I like, even right now, right now in this queue, I look in here at all the people who are lined up in here and how many of you have prodigal children, including me, prodigal children. How did that happen? How did I have, how did that happen? And is it still happening today? And we're supposed to be expanding the kingdom and we're not expanding the kingdom. We're building a church. We're gathering people inside the church. But for the most part, the Christian church has zero impact locally. Would anybody want to argue with me on that? Can anybody name to me in any town, any of you out there who are watching this show right now, can you name for me one church in your town that is doing anything to hold the government, the schools, the and anything to hold them accountable? Can anybody name it one, even one? Even, nope. Huh? Nope. I got really low volume in my ear today, Spencer, for some reason. <clears throat> so I, I get some of them are going to be, I get some of them are going to be goat pens. I get that. I get, I get some of them are going to be sissies. I get it. But you, not one. Folks, you mean to tell me right now where you live, you can't name one church, not one church, not one pastor that is actively involved. When you go to a city council meeting, you go to a school board meeting, you go to any type of government meeting, you go to anywhere that, that there's not, there's no Christian representation there. Pastor Neil going? Peterson, Harvest Revival Center. Can you, can you turn, I'm Spencer, I don't know, I don't have very... My, Aaron Bjork. I'm sorry. I'm I'm hearing it, but I'm I'm not. Do me a favor. Just raise your hand when you want to come in here, okay? So 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 th- I got to tell you something. This causes me more frustration than I can even imagine. Because we went to, we went to uh, uh to Tom Tom uh, Dunn's wonderful event last week. 150 people in there, and I just sat there, and again. This is the way my mind works. I'm a football coach. I'm look. I'm always looking for players across the room, looking for players here and players there. And I see 150 players. But one of the things I said and I shared with you yesterday, they can't play because they're licking their wounds. They're licking their wounds. They, they, they can't wait to tell you stories about what the devil did to them and the sleep paralysis they had. And it's all real and it's all good, but there ain't none of it, none of it, us being driven to do something about now wait a minute tom dunn and his team yes they're out there they're out there doing it sure they are god bless them i'm formed but they're not welcome any way shape or form in mainstream christianity and everywhere you look the devil's team is running freaking rampant the devil's team why is the devil's team trying to seize our schools why are they trying to seize our government why are they trying to seize the media why are they trying why is the devil's team trying to seize all these things if it wasn't important if it wasn't important to have control of these levers of influence, why would the devil be after them so daggone hard? Because they are important to have. They are. And we're supposed to have dominion over them. We're su- Folks, we're supposed to be running the world, not the devil. That's my greatest frustration. Mm. Every morning, such a defeatist attitude. Not from you guys, not from you guys. But in general, across the spectrum, the church won't even get involved. And I came across something. I I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Spencer, I want you to pull this up. This this hit me today. Remember I was talking to you about wartime pastors and peacetime pastors? And remember I was talking about all that and and the black robe regiment and the black robe. Look, look where we are today. Look at, huh? Gee, man. I wonder how many pastors pack in the, in the, in the, what do they call that place? In the sanctuary. As if that's a safe, uh, don't get me going. Pull, pull this up for me. Pastor stats. I'm going to show you something. Here, folks, here's the great divide. See, here's the great divide. Sorry to number them this morning. Michelle got up a few minutes ago. I was talking to her. Here's, here's what has to happen. Hey, folks, look, you have to become the pastor. You, you. Look, are you looking at me? The, the church model is horribly broken. And I don't say this to be mean. I say this to be honest with you. And the last thing we need is another church. Wait a minute. Another church model, modeled and patterned after the current church. 
If I was going to go start a church today, and yes, I've thought about it. If I was going to go ch- start a church today, how would you go do that? Oh, well, you would go find a, a praise and worship leader, and you would go find a, a minister of whatever. You'd, you'd create all kinds of, see, you, you, would, you would go and you would, you would build a model of, of a prefab church, one you've already seen. And then you would then then you would do that. You would build that church, and then you would get into a comparison on why is this guy's why is his congregation growing and mine isn't? What are they doing over there that we're not doing here? And maybe if we just start any but any, my little granddaughter stayed with us last night. Maybe if I just started to copy some of the same things that they were doing, maybe maybe then our church would grow. And they're, they're, they're having Easter egg hunts and uh, drops and they're doing, well, maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe that's what we need to do. And as a result, the real warriors of Christ, they don't even know where to go. Andy, say hi to him. Hi. Hi. Okay. You back up and let Gigi give you some pancakes, some waffles. Love you, baby. Huh? So, oh, yeah. so look, 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 folks, look, you can do it. You can do it. And I'm going to tell you something. Remember I talk about all politics becomes local? I'm going to tell you that. All church becomes local too. I'd rather have 10 people around me that I knew, really knew, and really knew I could trust than 500 in a big building that I don't know anybody in there. And I go in there and I play church and I raise my hands and I sing the songs and I do the smoke machine. I do everything everybody else does. And then we think that's Christianity because it's personalized Christianity. Hey, folks, I'm going to tell you something. The devil is on a rampage. Oh, pull that up there for me real quick. Satan is hot. Newsweek magazine, Satan is hot. Let me get this off my chest. Satan is hot. Huh? Newsweek magazine, 328-23. Satan is getting hot as hell in American pop culture. Oh, yeah. The devil's doing a pretty damn good at being an evangelist, isn't he? Oh, he's just, is he the salt of the earth? Is that what the devil is? The devil's the salt of the earth now? The devil's the darkness of the world. Is that what, is that where we are? As ch- as Christians cower in the corner, huh? As we watch our children be mutilated by transgenderism, as we watch the name of God be dragged through the mud, as we watch uh, a most unrighteous government ever in the history of of America rule and reign over us. And, and what's the what's the reaction of the average Christian? What's our reaction? Well, we don't get involved. Why? Because it might cost you your freaking head. Jesus said, oh, nobody better than John. Anybody want to argue with that? Anybody want to argue? The greatest of all those ever born to a woman, John the Baptist. Dude, I want to. Pastor Les didn't like it when I asked that question. No, I wanted to talk about Jesus and how, how good Jesus will make you feel. And Jesus is a friend that will stick it closer to the brother. I know all that. I learned that, in the, I learned that my first week in, in church, all right? I already learned that. Can we go to can we go to the second grade now? Can we go to second grade Christianity? Uh, by the way, is uh, 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 you got a prayer group, huh? You got a prayer group organized. You got you got a feeding group, mercy ministry. You got all these groups organized. Hey, uh, where's the raise hell in the culture group? I want to be in that one, Pastor. Where's the raise hell in the culture group? I like to be that. Oh no no no, we don't have that. We don't have that. So I went I went digging this morning. Pull back, pull that back up with pastor stats. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I showed it. Huh? Aging of America's pastors. Now, look. What did I tell you? That the guys in the pulpit today are incapable of fighting. Look, look at me. Are you looking at me? I'm 70 years old. I was born in 1952. So let's say that I got saved in 2000, which is pretty close. I got saved a little bit before that. So I got saved in 2000, and I decided in 2022 that I wanted to be a pastor. And so in 2022, I looked around at the culture, and I'm sorry, 2002, I looked around at the culture and society, and everything was going pretty good. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna build me a mega church, and I'm gonna I'm so so I build the church model, and then all of a sudden. About 18 years later, you get to 2020, all of a sudden there was an earthquake in America, everything in upheaval, and the guy standing in the pulpit had no idea what to do about it because they were raised as evangelifish. And their only, their only solution was they didn't have one. The rapture became the solution. So I was looking at some of the 
Pastor, aging of America's pastor. Scroll down through this a little bit. I'm going to show you something. Hey, you folks, you, you need to start a home church. You do. You say, well, I can't. I'm not qualified to do it. Why not? Why aren't you qualified to do it? Look at this. Pastor age brackets, 1992, 2017. There's a, there's a cleaning out that's coming. But look, I am not, I'm not optimistic about the new guys standing in the pulpits, to be honest with you. The sissy-haired, puffed-up, mm, oh, my, 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 my. See, they're, they're the tolerance group. The tolerance group has taken over the pulpit now. Now they want to be pastors, and they want to receive homosexuality and diversity. And, well, because yeah, you, you teach what you know, right? So the age brackets, look at that, 1992. Uh, medium age of pastors in 2017, the average pastor was 54 years old. In 1992, he's 44. Today, they're 54. In fact, if we add uh, how many years on? Six more years, they're 60. They're 60 years old, the average guy in the pulpit. And he's 60 years old, and he grew up in a time of peace. So he doesn't have any idea how to fight. Scroll on down. Scroll on down. They're retiring. Look at this. What pastors say about the next generation of church leaders. Pastors say it's becoming harder to find mature young Christians who want to become pastors. 24 agree, 45 agree somewhat. A lot of young leaders seem to think other kinds of work are more important than vocational ministry. Oh, yeah, for sure. And our church puts a significant priority on training and developing the next generation of church leaders. No, no, they do not. And when's the last time that you went into your church and your pastor pulled you aside and said, Clay, dude, look, man, I've been watching you, and I love your energy, and I love what you're doing. Now, Clay, that's really not for me, but Clay, what can I do to help you be more effective in your ministry? Hey, Clay, you ever had a pastor say that to you? Anybody out there ever had a pastor say to you? Say, Coach, boy, I'm sure glad to see you out on those streets. I don't have time to go do it, but Coach, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do to help you? Anybody ever hear that from your evangelical fish pastor? And the answer to the question is no, no. And so then what do we have now? What do we have now? Now we have coming into the pulpits, these sissy men. I wish I could take you on my phone and show you this, the number of sissy men pastors I watched inviting people to Easter, to Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Can you feel my frustrations? Huh? Because, again, we should be so winning. Oh, wait a minute. I get it. We win in the end, don't we? We win in the end. They say, Coach, what are you doing? What what, how, what are your credentials? What are your credentials to be a pastor? I said, well, first of all, I'm not a pastor. I'm a coach. Don't call me that. I'm not a pastor. I'm a coach. And I have a lot of, I have a long history, long history of coaching people. And, by the way, when I got born again, in 1988, I got the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is something the majority of pastors do not have. You don't have to say amen. I'm not looking for affirmation. I'm telling you that what is coming, do you understand what they did to Donald Trump yesterday? Can anybody name for me 20 people who should have been indicted before Donald Trump, I'll wait. Tell some, give me, give me the name of twenty people who should have been indicted before Donald Trump. Can anybody name one? Hillary. Obama. Pelosi. Yep. 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 Okay. So, so what? So what? Huh? It's all distraction. See, it's all distraction. But got to remember this: that Trump said that they're not after me; they're after you. And so what we see going on right now is we see Christians who have absolutely lost their salt, their effectiveness in being the salt of the earth and light of the world. And if you don't think that the gospel can be promoted through government, you're crazy. Now, look, salvation cannot be prevented or uh, promoted through government. Government can't save you. But government can sure prevent you from falling into a pit. Government can. Government would arise and say, no, abortion is wrong. 
Divorce is wrong. Same-sex marriage is an abomination. If the church began to stand up and defend those things, then what? Then we would be able to see the effectiveness of the church, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And John the Baptist was the greatest ever born unto a woman because he led a revolution. It all started after they took his head off, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, I don't know where I'm taking this this morning. Other than the, all of us, we better understand the times in which you live and understand what's going on. Uh, pull up, nice won't cut it. Nice won't, nice won't cut it. I saw this a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago now. Being winsome and nice won't cut it anymore, Christian. Scroll on down. This is really good. I want you can read all of it. Go go down about halfway through it, Spencer, because I want to I want to read something to you. Then we'll shut up. I'm going to shut up. Right under, keep going, keep going. There's some good stats in there. Okay, right there. <clears throat> Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch the guy's name. Doesn't matter. As I wrote nearly a year ago after the Uvalde shooting, the question we ought to be asking ourselves is not why does this happen, but rather why does it not happen a lot more? We live in a society that's past its breaking point. Everything that used to give life meaning has been taken away, driven far from the reach of ordinary people, were made an object of ridicule, love of one's nation, and people was both mocked and called racist, the normal impulse to desire a spouse and children is ripped apart by divorce, feminism, <clears throat> sexual perversion, and then out of reach for many by worsening economic and social conditions. Are you guys with me? Because we're not the salt of the earth. We're not the salt of the earth. We're at war, and we don't think we're at war. We're at war, and we don't think we're supposed to fight. Maybe that's it. The major institutions of the Christian faith that provided a spiritual foundation for a once great nation, the mainline Protestant churches, were hollowed out over a century ago. And now with teary-eyed female pastors offering moralistic, sentimental discourses on chicken soup for the soul at best and gay, transsexual, anti-white, race-hate, Marxist propaganda at its worst. The churches that grew over the last century, scroll down, please. The churches that grew over the last century in response to the mainline apostasy retained their adherence to the Bible, but are largely beset by pragmatism that places church growth ahead of faithfulness. The result has been precious few Christian leaders willing to defend the Christian faith in a way that matters to a culture in free fall. Somebody say amen. I'm not looking for affirmation. Amen means I agree. I agree with that. Amen. So you see that pragmatism that has infected the church is responsible for much of the cultural rot we're experiencing. The entire ethos of selling the Christian religion as a lifestyle product you separate from and add to your pre-existing way of life has dominated the practice of ostensibly conservative American evangelism. In other words, Christianity has been an add-on feature of your life. It hasn't been at the root of who you are. It was a convenient arrangement for a lot of people, especially when you lived in a culture that enjoyed the fruits of two millennia of Christian cultural formation. You could separate the Christian life and keep itself contained to Sunday morning and maybe a few small group activities throughout the week. You can keep spiritual talks separate from talk of your work, of news and politics, of sports and entertainment. That was a convenient arrangement when the entire society, Christian or not, agreed that marriage was between a man and a woman, foundational to civilization, that men and women are entirely distinct and immutable sexes, and you had functioning, well-ordered communities where people could reasonably agree, expect to trust one another. But that convenient arrangement no longer exists. Are you guys picking this up? Are you picking this up? It ain't, hey, it ain't, (laughs) it ain't your grandpa's America. Today you live in a negative world, with negative world just being deadly. No longer do you live in a place where there's a distinction between a Christian and fighting the cultural war. Those three nine-year-olds that that monster shot were not consciously combatants in the cultural war. Those little kids that got killed, they didn't even know they were in a war. We knew it, but they didn't know it. They were not little James Dobson's. They were just Christian kids being raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord by Christian parents. But we've reached a point where simply being a Christian means participation in the cultural war is now unavoidable. You can no longer not be engaged. Amen. You may not want your children involved in the cultural war, but if they bear the name of Christ, they are part of it, whether you like it or not. 
Your enemy has made them a target, if not with bullets, with a poisonous mind virus that they constantly want them exposed to. Boom, huh? Boom, Vinny. Boom. It's well past time for Christians, particularly Christian leaders, to recognize this. You have enemies. You have enemies that want your you and your children dead. You have enemies you need to fight. Your desire to win them over through niceness is a weapon they wield against you. They manipulate your desire to avoid conflict. They know that you're terrified of offending anyone since that will negatively affect church attendance. And so they've rolled over you. They've destroyed your culture and have now made you a pariah in your own country. You're not going to, you are not going to winsome your way out of this. You can choose to remain silent out of cowardice or you can begin to fight an evil ideology that could not in a more stark rebellion against the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. You need to be pre- preparing your schools, your churches, your homes, and yourselves for this spiritual war. It's coming, dudes. It's coming. You need to have a plan in place. You need to have men willing to protect your people with force. You need to be physically able to protect your family. You need to be getting in better shape. You will notice the two police officers who dispatched the ter- trans terrorists did not have dad bodies. Hard times are here. It is no time for soft men. Unless you think this is an unprecedented time in your history of the church. Oh, it is not. Violent individuals provoked by the government to attack dissident Christians is nothing new. One more paragraph. It's even part of our Anglo-Christian tradition. As one commentator pointed out, the 1689 English Bill of Rights guaranteed the right of Protestants to bear arms to protect themselves against anarchy allowed by the government. The government didn't send goons to attack them. They just let armed thugs loosely align with them, do their dirty work for you. Sound familiar? We're in a very similar place and will require similar courage and strength of will. The Protestant churches of the 17th century England had strong leaders, strong fathers, and men who believed so strongly in the Lord Jesus that they were ready to die for him. Do we have such men and such leaders? And if you're reading this, you are the answer to this question, one way or another. We've reached a crossroads in country. Either biblical Christianity or sexual degeneracy will be tolerated. I'm going to read that again, Spence. We've reached a crossroads in our country. Either biblical Christianity or sexual degeneracy will be tolerated. They can't both be tolerated. One will be eradicated by the other. This will not be the last time Christians will be martyred by mentally ill leftist freaks. Boom. Will you have the courage to take a stand for righteousness and truth? Will you submit to the hideous and disgusting abusers and murderers of children? It's your choice. Can that be put in the chat? Put in the chat. That's a bing. That's a boom, isn't it? Is that a boom? Is boom. that a boom? Boom. Boom. They're coming after the. the, the oh, they're destroying our children. They're destroying everything Christian, and we play church. Jeff Klein, go ahead. Coach, this is unbelievable. Everything you're saying this morning, this is going to be your amen for this morning. Our pastor buddy, and you know who he is, last night in the garage, I'm not even going to mention his name, two hours from six to eight o'clock, fired up. The, I thought I thought maybe you and him put this message together. Both of you copied it. He hammered it last night, and he said, them kids were not murdered. They were martyred. And, mm. buddy, he went through it, ripping it. What's going down in this nation with everything, politics, government, workplace, the churches, the Christian? Oh, he hammered it. He's never went two straight hours, but he did last night. And it's that was his second Tuesday on strategy. And he's got more coming on Tuesdays. Strategy, what we need to do. So that's great. Send, send Annie back down here, Michelle. Send Annie back down here. Yeah, Grampy wants her to come down here a minute. Amen, Jeff. Amen. Hey, I salute Jeff Klein. I salute Jeff Klein. He's a doer and a talker. Amen. 
Uh, I salute JR, uh, uh, Harrison. Sorry, Jim. I salute him. He's a doer. He's not a talker. I salute the doers. The, the world is full of talkers. Talk, talk, talk. Yak, yak, yak. Pray, pray, pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, ever do anything. Never, ever, ever. And Jesus said it would be better. How old are you, Annie? And he's four years old. Now, are Yay. you guys looking at me? Because every one of you, every one of you looking at me right now had one of these. It was your child. This is my granddaughter. Every one of you had one of those. And God granted you the honor of creating a little Christian. Creating someone who thinks and acts like you, every one of them. But most of you know that you took this precious little thing right here and you sent her off to a place where they taught them doctrines of demons, taught them things that you would never speak of in your church. And all of a sudden you wake up and they're 18 and 19 years old and you don't even recognize who they are anymore. How do you think that happened, friends? Huh? You know what Annie knows? I've taught Annie this about life. Are you ready, Annie? What do you do when you get knocked down, Annie? You get back up. Say it again. You fall down and you get back up. When you fall down, get back up. You get back up. Love you, sweetie. Hmm. See, if uh, Jesus told us it'd be better if you put a millstone around your neck than let them teach her about transgenderism. Huh? 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 Oh yeah. Hey, Pastor Les said I needed a men's group. I needed I needed to be part of one. Yeah, so I could learn how to eat cake and drink coffee and talk about the Bengals and the Browns while I'm at the men's meeting. Some somebody say amen. You don't have to. You've been part of one of those groups. You know what I'm talking about. And <clears throat> I've done some venting, man. I've done some venting. By the way, real quick, one more. I, I'm one. I want you to get in there. I'm gonna shut up. I got a lot of good stuff. <clears throat> Pull up. Uh, <clears throat> Thou shalt not kill. Prager, it's about halfway down. Hmm. Dennis Prager, clarify something, because Christians don't even understand. No, that's not it. Is that what I sent you? Thou shalt not kill. Okay, go ahead. Play it. Say about thou shalt not kill. It'll be brief. It's it's an incorrect translation, but I don't blame uh, the King James people. Uh, I do blame any modern translator who, who translates it as do not kill. It's do not murder. Hebrew has two words for homicide or for killing, uh, just as English does, kill and murder. In Hebrew, harag and ratzach, this is ratzach. It's clear, it's do not murder. Murder is illegal killing. There is legal killing. You can kill an animal to eat it. You can kill a human in self-defense. So if it said do not kill, we would have to be pacifists and vegetarians. Got anything to say? <laughs> amen. 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 Come on in, Myra. I'm opening it up. Hey, can somebody tell me something? <clears throat> Maybe we ought to be writing our local, yeah, our local prosecutors and ask them when they're going to indict Hillary. If some prosecutor, local prosecutor in New York City, can indict the former president of the United States. Is there a prosecutor in your town who could indict Hillary Clinton? Who could indict Joe Biden? Who could indict Bill Clinton? Uh, is, is there? Is there? See, we have to learn how to play the game. We have to learn how to fight back. We have to learn what it means to be the salt of the earth. Go ahead, Myra, then Deanna. Yes, Coach. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us in all the truth. And uh, in regard to the pastors, uh, we have very good pastors, for, but for the ones not capable of fighting, Genesis one twenty-seven through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. And God blessed them. And God say unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living, living thing that moveth upon the earth. Hallelujah. What is God not in charge of? What is God not in charge? I'm going to give you all a challenge. Go to your pastor. Go to your pastor and make an appointment with him to go to the abortion clinic. Tell him that you want to go, 
In fact, tell me you've got three or four people who'd like to go and that they need him to take him. Now, hey, get, get, bring a towel with you because he'll wet his pants right there. He'll wet his pants, right? See, they told us over and over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. that we, we couldn't do anything about abortion because the Supreme Court said that there's a right to it. Well, the Supreme Court said, no, there isn't a right to it. No, they're in one. Huh? No, they're in. So then you're going to go to your pastor and say, hey, pastor, I'm going to go down and I'm going to try to rescue some babies who are being illegally murdered at the abortion clinic. Uh, can you get your calendar out and see when you could go with me? Because I would like for you to go. They'll wet their pants. Deanna, come on in. Good morning, everyone. Um, I started yesterday, last night, in regards to contacting senators, House of Reps, elected officials, AGs. Even on Twitter, I start calling them out. I expect everyone today to start filing documents, filing paperwork, filing charges against these demons that have been doing the, the nonsense, the crimes that they've been doing for years. They all It may not get anywhere, but at least let them know we're playing the same game. Amen. Amen. Look, there's probably not, there's probably not enough Christians alive to be able to influence the government, though. Sorry, huh? probably. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, it's only going to get worse. Jesus said that we're, we're going to be out of here soon. We are so freaking double-minded. And the Bible says that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let him not expect anything from God. Laura Ann, come on in. Um, just on the abortion note, uh, I went last Saturday to the largest abortion mill in the city of oh, Chicago and was praying and and sharing my testimony, but my pastor is going down to the same place this Saturday with his wife, and we're going to be doing it again with this ministry that's here in Chicago. And my pastor here, that's in a small town, Henry, Pastor RT, is he goes up against the government. He's going to go with Sean Floyd to the Springfield when they're when they're going to do that worship event. And as a pastor, he's going to be standing up and speaking against what's going on here in Illinois. And last night I did try to get involved in local politics to change it, start changing things at a local level. And I lost to one of a very vile unhinged opponent. Hey, cause people like, love it that way. They love it that way. See, they've taken it in the cult folks. Look, you better get it. You better get this. The mood in America is you are the enemy. You are the enemy. John the Baptist is your model. Hey, cost him his head. He cost him his head, but he advanced the kingdom, see? Oh, my goodness. Hey, so look. Ministerial associations. Minister. Wouldn't you love to sit in them? Those are meetings of pastors. Wouldn't you love to sit in on one of those things and see what they talk about? Amen. Do you think, do you think, they, do you think they really, really get to the heart of getting the country back, of protecting and saving children, protecting and defending families. Do you think that's part of their discussion? Or, hell, they don't even get together. They don't even get in the same huddle. How could you expect them to run the same play? Dale, you're a pastor. Many ministerials. Is there, is there an activism ministerial association anywhere, Dale? Well, in my church, you know there is, Coach. After we got the abortion industry in the state of Louisiana, we went right to the French Quarter. I got people going down to the Jackson Square every week, two, three times a week, brother. And we continue to, to preach the gospel, brother. That is the fuel to the fire right there for the church. That is the spirit acting. Coach, I put a video in the link. I sent it to you also. It's a minute and 30 seconds. It is your message. It's a political message, brother, talking about keeping those ants in line. We're the ants, brother. We're the ants. Let's go ahead and play it. Let's go ahead and play it. There was that ant that stood up to me. Yeah, but we can forget about him. Yeah, it was just one ant. <laughs> one ant. <laughs> uh, you're right. It's just one ant. Yeah, boys. They're puny. Hmm, puny? Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, how about this?
You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Boom. <laughs> Boom, Dale. My granddaughter Reese came down here too, huh? We're doing everything we can to protect her. How old are you? Twelve. Twelve years old, going to be a teenager. Oh no! Oh no! Oh dear! Love you, Reese. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take her someplace when the show's over. Mike McKee, come on in. Hey, coach. I didn't read the whole story this morning, but uh, the mayor of Chicago was funded by a teachers union, and she, he or he, I don't know if it's a she or he, but anyway, Chicago was just got rid of one of the worst mayors in the country. Now they have another one. This is a they got Democrat. a worse one. They got a worse one. No, he's way he's way worse than than Lightfoot. He's going to make Lightfoot look like a Sunday school. Hey, Laura Ann. So, Laura yeah. Ann, I'm sure, I, I don't know this, and this is sound racist, but I, I don't care if it sounds racist. I wonder how many black people voted for this guy. Black Christians voted for this wicked oh, there's man. Oh, there's a ton. It's, it is so bad. It is so bad. And the deception is so bad. It's just, it's, it's nauseating. The Satan is, and, and listen to these words. Cause you're, it's going to be marked. This is going to be one of the bloodiest summers in the city of Chicago that they've ever seen with this guy now as mayor. Amen. Lightfoot had nothing, nothing compared to what's coming to the city of Chicago this summer. It, it, whatever life was starting to come back here will be it'll it'll be worse than downtown Detroit. Amen. And you know what they're telling us? <clears throat> same thing in New York. The guy, the same guy that prosecuted Donald Trump, has been refusing to prosecute violent crime, folks. Hey, look, this happening for a reason, right? There's Reese. Oh, there's that pretty face. That's, see, I have a green screen behind me, right? It's not really a stadium behind huh. me. So we take the we take the stadium down, and then you can see how pretty. And for some reason, the stadium wants me to leave. Some it doesn't want me to. Doesn't be want Reese to be here. Be We're training Reese in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. She's going to be a leader in her generation. She's Amen. going to make a difference. Dave Allison, go ahead. Yeah, hey, Coach. Uh, thanks so much for this program this morning. It was really interesting. I just over the weekend, a uh, a guy I know that's a believer sent me a video, and it was a pastor that he followed. And his whole message was about, you, we, you don't have to fear anything because Jesus got he's got it. He's got it, right? <laughs> and I told him, I says, you know what? This guy doesn't believe this because guess what? That guy shut his church down. He, he forced people to wear masks in his church, and he, he encouraged everybody to get the jab. He doesn't believe a word he's talking about, but he tickled your ears, right? He That's made right. you feel good. So how did this message, how was that message challenging you to be more, a better mm-hmm representative of the kingdom of heaven. It's not. It's just making you feel comfortable. So, and I want to encourage everyone here too as well. I hear a lot of, we talk about training and I'm not against training at all. I think it's good because we do need to know about the ways of the enemy, but also we want you to know that guess what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not go to how to survive fiery furnace training. Daniel did not go to how to survive the lion's den tactical training. You know what he did? You know what they had? They trusted in the Lord. They went out there and they knew that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so guess what? If you find yourself in that situation and you're trusting and believing in the Lord, guess what? He's faithful and he will come through. He sure will, Dave. He sure will. And here's the reality. I've been asking this question for quite a while. I said, uh, if I drive by, I I got a freaky sense of uh, whatever. I drive by uh, churches, and I said, uh, you know, if that church closed today, would would the community even notice? I drive down the street. So that big church, if that church shut down today, would would there be would would there be any difference in this county in this community if that church shut down today? And you know what? The answer is no, because they did shut down, didn't they? They did shut down through COVID, and there wasn't any difference. Everything went. Things got a little bit worse, maybe. I, I who knows, right? But until we understand that we're the salt of the earth and light of the world, and until we understand that all power has been given unto us, both in heaven and earth, go there and teach all nations 
to observe all I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. If we get, if we don't get to the, ever get to the point, understand that that we are a soldiers in an army marching uh, for victory for the expansion of a kingdom of God. Until we get that mindset, folks, they're, they're going, they're going to freaking roll over us. Amen. They're going to roll over us. It's just the reality of it. Julie. Good show. Um, <clears throat> good morning, everybody. A while back, we were out doing street ministry um, in a, a, a bigger town down in Zanesville. And I'll never forget, this lady was walking out of this big old church. I don't even know what, you know, religion it was or whatever. <clears throat> and we asked her, you know, what we could pray for her for. And she said, our church is dying. No, it's already dead. It's already yeah. dead. And I said, the best way for you to get this church alive is get people involved. It doesn't happen in the four, you know, the four corners of the church. It's church and the outside. And she just was, her mouth like dropped. <laughs> so. Well, you know, you know, you know what I do? Uh, I watch Ohio State University football. When the Buckeyes run out on the field, I don't know if any of you guys <clears throat> have ever noticed this or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pull up John 10. Spencer, pull up John 10. When the Ohio State Buckeyes come running out of the huddle, drive, drive on down the field, men of the scarlet and gray, don't let them through that line. We got to win this game today. Boom, boom, boom. Well, do you notice that the coach leads them? Did you guys ever notice that? That when the Ohio State Buckeyes run out of the tunnel, out onto the field, the coach isn't in the back. He's running out in front of them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, John 10, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So somebody who gets in the building some other way than through Christ is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the porter opens the door, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And lead them in. Then lead the sheep into the pen. He leads them out of the pen. Coaches lead the team on the field. They don't follow the team. Good. Oh. Don't teach the declaration. Pull that up there, Spencer. Amen. Third from the bottom. Don't teach the declaration. This is good, too. Hey, I don't care. Look. I know I'm right, okay? This is, this is very short. This is very good. Go ahead. Here's a real rabbit hole you can go down. Why does the public education system not teach the Declaration of Independence? They'll talk about all kinds of other things, but they will not discuss the American Declaration of Independence because the American Declaration of Independence very clearly says that it is the people's duty to overthrow a tyrannical government, the duty of the people to overthrow a tyrannical government. Therein lies the purpose of the Second Amendment. It's not about anything else. Our Second Amendment is so that we can be well-armed in the unlikely event that we ever have to 1776 again. Right? Our founding fathers had literally just fought a revolutionary war. They understood the value of the people being well-armed. In fact, little history note, the battles of Lexington and Concord that started the Revolutionary War, those were fought over munitions depots. Lexington and Concord are where the colonists had their guns. And the British understood that if the colonials were well-armed, they had a problem on their hands. So they tried in the middle of the night, they tried to go take the guns. That's where the infamous, the British are coming, the British are coming. Because they had a system set up because they feared that the tyrants would come try to take their guns. Well, does that sound a little familiar? Does that sound like something that, I don't know, maybe we worry about today? I think the reason they don't teach the Declaration of Independence to children is because if they did, it would red pill the crap out of a whole bunch of young people all across the country because they would hear, they would read the grievances of our founding fathers, and they would say, well, hang on, wait a minute. Those are the exact same grievances that I have today. See, history never changes itself. It's cyclical. It just repeats over and over and over. And we're not that far off from history repeating itself again. And I think that that's the reason 
that they don't talk about the Declaration of Independence in our schools. In fact, you know, another reason that they don't discuss the Declaration of Independence in our schools is because the Declaration of Independence directly mentions the name of God Almighty multiple times. Right? It says that we understand that our rights are given to us by God and not government. Well, that was a very revolutionary sentence in and of itself. It was a very, very big deal. Right? Whenever the founders, whenever Thomas Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, if that sentence alone was thoroughly understood by all of the young people in America, we would have a generational switch like you've never seen before because people would understand the principle. Wow, huh? Boom. Wow. Now, Joe, Joe Allen said, Coach, put that in the chat. Friends, just so you know this, Spencer, after every show, everything we show is on the website, folks. So if you ever want to find one of these things, go to our website, pull up the show, and all the links that we use are right there for you to use and share with other people, okay? Every time. Now, we'll put it in the chat for you, but you can always find it there. Because people text me all the time and say, hey, Coach, could you send me that link? And yeah, I say, yeah, go back. It's, it's in the show notes. It's in the show notes, all right? Clay, come on in. Now, I wish one of these uh, churches that were out here in the country, in the county, would have an indoor and outdoor shooting range and a community garden. And then the people that showed up there would be a whole different breed of folks. Hey, Clay, back when, uh, you know, we're having our annual event coming up here, and Chad's, uh, uh, we've, in the past, we've we shot guns. Do you have any idea? Are you looking at me out there, friends? Do you have any idea how many Christians who come to our huddle, our annual event, never shot guns? Do you have any, do you have any idea? They've never shot a gun. Never. I'm going to say it again. Christians have never shot a gun. Now, you better realize that the time will come, may come, when that's the only thing that's going to save your children and your grandchildren is your ability to wield a weapon. You don't have to be a marksman. You just get a 12-gauge shotgun, and you point in the general direction. That if every man and woman watching this show right now is not proficient with shooting a shotgun, if nothing else, man, I don't know what to tell you. They used to teach it in school, remember? They used to teach it in school, riflery in school. Go on in, Joe. One more thing. Come prepared. I don't want to see you wearing sandals. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Paul Gosling, you want to say something, Paul? Go ahead. About out of time here. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, um, you know, just so you know, it's it's the fear that uh, they have with it. So you can just take a gun and shoot it in the uh, ocean. Can't miss that. Yeah. Well, you ought to learn to shoot Amen. it at a target. Yeah, yeah, but at least if you're shooting at somebody, at least be able to hit what you're shooting at, right? <laughs> no, on. I was just talking about a mistake I made when we were yeah. together, buddy. That happened. Those things happen. Let me let me let let me end on a on a light note here today. I don't this show's so heavy sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry that it is. Play Birth of Wokeness. Birth of Wokeness. This is uh I don't know where I came across this. This is satire. This is starting uh This is when wokeness began. Go ahead. It is the unalienable right of every man or woman woman to rid himself or herself. Or herself. Agreed. Thank you, brother. Or sister. Or sister. Where was I? I think you finished. Oh, right. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But... 
You can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to gestate? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, start your own church. Start your own church. You're more than able. That's what's going to save us. God bless you. Got to run. <laughs>